You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Last week, India's government announced a long-term plan for its space program. It includes a Venus orbiter, a Mars lander, a crewed space station by 2035, and a crewed lunar lander by 2040. The India Space Research Organization also held a test for its first human spaceflight vehicle. The scope of New Delhi's space ambition is breathtaking, and the commercial space industry is also riding their nation's new era of success. Today is October the 30th, 2023. I'm Alice Carruth and this is T Minus. Skyroute raises over $27 million in a new round of funding. Space Solar and Talis Alania Space further their partnership on space-based solar power. Starliner's first crewed flight is expected no earlier than April. And I caught up with Steve Luzinski, board chairman of the Aerospace Village at Ascend. Find out his thoughts on cybersecurity in space later in the show. On to today's intelligence briefing. India's space ambitions are finally getting the global attention that they deserve. The nation has laid out ambitious plans for the next 20 years to include their first human space flight in 2025. Indian space startups are also capitalising on the nation's success. Skyroot Aerospace has raised $27.5 million in a new round of funding led by Singapore's Temasek. This news comes just days after another launch startup, Agnicor Cosmos, raised a similar amount. Skyroot launched India's first private rocket last year and is set to launch its second commercial rocket, the Vikram-1, next year. Rival space startup Agnicor Cosmos says it's raised close to $27 million in fresh funding ahead of its first rocket launch. Skyroot has so far raised $95 million while Agnicor has raised $40 million. 
The success of India's Chandrayaan-3 moon mission has provided a boost to the country's private space industry, and we expect to hear more before the year is out. Staying in Asia, and there's been a crew handover ceremony held on Tiangon Station. Shenzhou-16 mission astronauts handed over the control of the Chinese space station to their peers from the newly arrived Shenzhou-17 crew, according to the China Manned Space Agency. The Shenzhou-16 crew are scheduled to fly back to Earth on Tuesday. UK-based Space Solar has announced an innovation partnership with Talis Alania Space to continue to collaborate on their commercial space-based solar power systems. Talis Alania Space in the UK and Space Solar have been working together for over six months on the UK government's Department of Energy Security and Net Zero's Net Zero Innovation Programme, developing the concept and assessing mission architecture for Space Solar's system. This new agreement builds on the initial research goals to bring a product to market. In addition to the collaboration with Space Solar, Talis Alania Space has been selected by the European Space Agency to lead a feasibility study for the Solaris Initiative, which will determine the viability of a project to provide clean energy from space-borne solar power plants. The Solaris Studies aims to support Europe to make an informed decision by 2025 on whether or not to embark on a development programme for the commercialisation of space-based solar energy, with the initial objective of designing a small-scale in-orbit demonstrator. And staying in the UK, news came out last week that the UK subsidiary of the German-based rocket factory Osberg AG has received £3.5 million in a funding boost from the nation's space agency to launch from the Shetland Islands. Rocket Factory UK has also been granted exclusive access to launch its rocket from the launch pad at Scotland's Saxaford Spaceport. The company's first launch is scheduled for Q2 of next year, and we'll be speaking to the CEO of Saxaford Spaceport, Frank Strang, on Friday's show and on our Deep Space episode for this week. The Senegalese Space Study Agency has signed a letter of intent with the European Space Agency to collaborate on future space technology opportunities. This collaboration opens up new opportunities in agriculture, environmental monitoring, disaster management, telecommunications and more. It is hoped that these advancements will stimulate economic growth and improve living standards and sustainable development for the people of Senegal. NASA is touting progress with the Boeing Starliner crew flight program to the ISS. After years of delays since its failed test in 2019, NASA now says that the first flight with astronauts to the International Space Station will happen no earlier than April. In a statement on the US Space Agency's website, NASA says that while Boeing is targeting March to have the spacecraft ready for flight, teams decided during a launch manifest evaluation that a launch in April will be better to accommodate upcoming crew rotations and cargo resupply missions this spring. Boeing has been working on meeting NASA safety requirements after it was concluded that the company was using adhesive tape that could be flammable. The team had been working on tape removal from the upper dome of the Starliner crew compartment and work continues to remove or remediate the tape in the lower dome of the spacecraft. And delays are also hitting intuitive machines. Liftoff of the IM-1 lunar mission is now targeted for a multi-day launch window which opens on January the 12th of 2024 a setback from its original target of November of this year. Steve Altimus, co-founder, president and chief executive officer of Intuitive Machines, said, 
there are inherent challenges of lunar missions. Schedule changes and mission adjustments are a natural consequence of pioneering lunar exploration. Receiving a launch window and the required approvals to fly is a remarkable achievement, and the schedule adjustment is a small price to pay for making history. We couldn't agree more. Would you like to send a message to the moon? Lunar Outpost is offering an opportunity to do just that on their MAP rover. The vehicle is aiming to be the first to explore the lunar south pole later this year, the same location that that IM-1 is aiming for, and you can be part of the mission by adding your message to its flight computer. We've included a link to upload your thoughts in the show notes. The public will get their first glimpse of the Bennu asteroid samples next week when they go on display at the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural Science in Washington, D.C., The samples were collected from the asteroid by NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission, the first U.S. space mission to sample the surface of a planetary body since Apollo 17 in 1972. Samples from Bennu may provide insights into how water and organic molecules first reached Earth, a core research focus of the OSIRIS-REx mission and of the museum's new Our Unique Planet initiative. If only they could figure out how to open the taxon jar. And that concludes our intelligence briefing for today. Stay with us for insights from the Aerospace Village from the Ascend Conference. You'll find links to further reading on all the stories we've mentioned in our show notes. And we've included a link on a news release from the FCC on its transparency initiative for satellite applicants. 80 Minus Crew. Every Monday, we produce a written intelligence roundup. It's called Signals and Space. If you happen to miss any T-Minus episodes, this strategic intelligence product will get you up to speed in the fastest way possible. It's all signal, no noise. You can sign up for Signals in Space in our show notes or at space.n2k.com. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. I caught up with Steve Luzinski, board chairman of the Aerospace Village at Ascend last week and started off by asking him what their involvement was at the conference. So let's start with what is the aerospace doing at AIAA's Ascend conference? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. This is the third time we've been here at a uh, AIAA conference Ascend uh, we've been some of their aviation events and SciTech uh, and supported virtually. So it's the relationship between uh, what we do in the aerospace village of promoting cybersecurity in the aerospace sector. 
Some folks, it's super easy because they, they know they've been doing it a while and they want to grow. They want to build more relationships between government, industry, and hackers. Uh, but at AIAA, it's a fairly new program and they're trying to grow that. And it's, it's a matter of trying to get engineers and practitioners who don't have that deep cybersecurity background to understand what it is and I think appreciate it in the sense that most people are like, oh, great, here comes the cyber guy making it no fun for me and difficult to do my mission. But being able to appreciate, no, this is why it's important. This is why it's a growing concern. And here's how you do it in a way that doesn't hurt your mission. It only uh, supports it further and helps you be successful. I think you've absolutely nailed it on the head what the industry is like when it comes to cybersecurity. We all know it's very important, but we tend to stick our heads in the sand yep. a little bit. How are you trying to help nurture them to come mm -hmm. towards the idea that they need to think about this from the offset and really start implementing yeah. it early on in their mission? So I, that, that notion's out there, uh, but I think showing examples, uh, having discussions, it's a matter here of uh, where with the village, we are bringing government industry and hackers together. In this sense, put academia in there. It's bringing that cybersecurity knowledge, that government knowledge, the other parts of industry that do cybersecurity into their world. Uh, one example, what brought me here primarily was being part of a panel where you have folks who have government background, industry background, and they're talking about the collaboration, that's the theme of the conference, the collaboration that they did that's gonna be in a report that's soon gonna be published by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's not out yet, but some of the thoughts and ideas that they have formed from the research they did with that report and sharing that with an audience. And, and one of the panelists asked a great question about who knew about this kind of activity and there were like three hands. No surprise, this is not a cybersecurity crowd. And so hopefully by having these kind of talks, having these kind of engagements, being able to just talk about it and getting people to think about it, next year we'll come back, we'll do something similar with another project and more hands will be raised and more people will be understanding and appreciating what's going on in that space. I think it's quite impressive that both NASA's brought it up in the opening remarks today and AIAA are thinking about cybersecurity and how we approach it. But it's still this kind of offshoot that people aren't really getting involved in. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the other panels that you've sort of paid attention to. Mm -hmm. Are they doing enough? And what if, if they're not, what could they be doing to really make it more of oh a prominent yeah. Uh, conversation? Yeah, so it, it's a growing program. And that's one of the things that we really appreciate in the village, having the relationship and helping them grow what they're doing. So there's not a ton, but I don't know if there could be uh, because there's so much content here. There's so many things that have to be talked about. And I think that's the nature of cybersecurity. Everybody's trying to figure out, well, where do I add one more thing in a student syllabus? Where do I add one more thing in my company for an employee to deal with? So trying to get it where it's, I call it second nature. It's just something you do. And the cyber people have to understand it in the mission context. The mission people have to understand it and why it's important, uh, safety and security. That's a great thing that I think the, the operational engineers here are learning and can understand that it's not just securities over there to the side. By making your mission secure, it's also making it safe. And the, and the safety word, that's something they deal with all the time with operational risk. 
We've seen a lot recently satellites that have come very close to each other, mm-hmm. possibly adversaries. Uh, there was a report that came out of Australia last week with a Chinese ba- uh, satellite that got very close to one of their vehicles. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a movement now that people are starting to realise that it's getting crowded out there yeah. and yeah. they're not all friendly? What can they be doing to really protect themselves mm-hmm. in their, their in-orbit assets? Uh, I say there, that's definitely recognized and known, but that's from hanging out with this crowd. This is a group that understands those issues very well. Part of what I think is helpful, you all coming in doing this, we do it in a part of our mission in the village is to promote what's going on out there with security in the aviation and space sectors. So I think part of that is just these things are happening. The common person doesn't know it. That's okay. They don't need to know it. They need to know it's being handled by smart people, and they need to know there's a security layer to all of that. So the systems that make the satellites operate, the systems that do the monitoring that can detect those uh, close passes, all of that coming together, it's just constant work to continue building on that throughout. So one of the things, a theme of this conference seems to be that there's not enough regulation in place for a lot of things. (laughs) Do you think the US government could do more when it comes to cybersecurity regulation? Or do you think it's not, shouldn't fall on the government side? Yeah, that's a tough one. uh, Because I see it both on the aviation side where there is lots of regulation and there's goods and bads that come with that. And my experience from working in government and dealing with the government regulations is, again, there are goods and bads. Careful what you wish for, because you're going to get it. Uh, and I, what, if nothing else, what's really interesting to me here is, yeah, that's cool for you, but space is not U.S. It is absolutely international. So there's so many more issues. And again, conferences like this, being on, being able to understand the full extent of those issues, the fact that it is well beyond just a U.S. problem. Uh, cybersecurity, similarly, yeah, there may be a niche that's specific to the U.S., but then after that, there's so many other considerations that it's very easy to see those cyber problems and then apply it in the context of what's being talked about here. I know we've mentioned it before on the show, but if it's somebody who's new as a listener who haven't heard you speak before, mm. how do companies, when they're starting up, think about cybersecurity? At what point should they start thinking about it? Oh, my goodness. So I, I will answer from a more of a personal background than, and what I do with the Aerospace Village. I was a chief information security officer The fact that some companies do not have those, the fact that some companies have that very adversarial type of cybersecurity for the employees, they're going to punish them, things like that. Just having the conversation and thinking about it, that's a good step. And then being able to find the expertise to incorporate it in a way that employees at a basic, I'm just talking about a basic, call it a, a typical company, that they understand the security. I'm going to teach you what to do at home so you can benefit it in your personal life. And if you can carry that habit to work and protect that work stuff also, even better because they're going to respond to that. Now, if I take that then in an operational context, which is not most companies, but from a flying background or here in a space background, understanding the operational implications, the value of security, for the safety of the mission, the success of the mission, uh, those those concepts, and again, just having those conversations and recognizing the value early on is the key step. 
So what's the next step for the aerospace village with the space community? What is it you're hoping to achieve at coming to conferences like this? Uh, so just being here to meet so many people has been great, making the connections, reconnecting with folks that we've worked with in the past, new connections. We're always looking to bring in partners. When I talk about build, inspire, promote, building the relationships, government, industry, academia in there, and hackers. We always want folks that have expertise. They have a demonstration or activity to teach people what is going on, whether it's on the engineering side or on the cybersecurity side. Um, I love this event because there's tons of students and the inspire part of our mission is inspiring that next generation to come in. What can we do that they want to be a part of, that they want to learn from? And one of the things I'm going to do this afternoon is a quick pitch saying, hey, we want to develop this uh, satellite hacking competition knowledge base, and we want to grow that so students and others can learn from it. And then just promoting awareness that uh, we can come out here and say, yeah, there are cybersecurity things going on, like I mentioned before the panel that I moderated. We'll be right back. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero-trust-ai. Welcome back. We open the show talking about the success of the Indian space industry, so it only makes sense that we close on news of their collaboration with NASA on NISAR. The NASA-ISRO Synthetic Aperture Radar Mission, or NISAR, is a joint project to co-develop and launch a dual-frequency synthetic aperture radar on an Earth observation satellite. The NISAR radar satellite mission will offer detailed insights into two types of ecosystems – forests and wetlands, vital to naturally regulating the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere that are driving global climate change. Now, this isn't a new mission announcement. The partnership started in 2019. But given the success of both NASA and ISRO in the past year, it's a mission that many are looking at to see how the global powers work together and as a baseline for future projects. NISAR will scan nearly all of Earth's land and ice surfaces twice every 12 days. The information the vehicle collects will help researchers understand two key functions of both ecosystem types, the capture and the release of carbon. Paul Rosen, the NISAR project scientist at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, says it will give us a really reliable view of exactly how the Earth's land and ice are changing. The satellite will be the first radar imaging satellite to use dual frequencies, with a total cost estimated at 1.5 billion US dollars. NISAR is likely to be the world's most expensive Earth imaging satellite. 
The spacecraft will be launched from India aboard a geosynchronous satellite launch vehicle in October of next year, with a planned mission life of just three years. That's all for T-Miners for October the 30th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.m2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space.m2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like T-Minus are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, from the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K's strategic workforce intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was mixed by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Calf. Our chief intelligence officer is Eric Tillman and I'm Alice Carruth. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. (laughs) 